Hi everyone, thanks for listening and welcome to another episode of Drone Chat, brought to you by Safe Droning Australia, your online safety equipment store. Find us at safedroningaustralia.com.au. Well, I'd like to introduce you to our next guest, John Fleming from FPV Australia, who owns and operates a training school, and in fact, I believe it was one of the first multi-rotor training schools in Australia. G'day, John. G'day, Shane. How are you going? Good. Yourself? I'm good, and uh, you are right, actually. Um, I think we were actually the first to train in multi-rotor. There was a couple of us that were sort of uh, running the race at the same time. Um, bad choice of words, running the race. It was never a race, but there was no multi-rotor training when we started. That's that's pretty much on the money. Okay. So now, no doubt you've seen a lot of changes in the industry. Uh, so when when did you first become certified by CASA as a training organisation? Uh, we, yeah, we got the ticket to train in September of 2014. I'd been in the drone industry commercially since 2006. We launched our our drone business, I guess. They weren't called drones back then, though. We were They were known as UAVs. And it was custom building drones and whatnot else, and and it's it's a boring story, but it, I knew that we needed licensing if I wanted to operate a drone commercially, not just build them. And so I I went to seek certification and found out that there just wasn't any for multi rotor. Um, you had to get a, you had to get a fixed wing license uh, or a controller certificate, as they called it. And so I did that. I went and got my controller certificate for fixed wing, and then uh, asked the regulator what happens now and what do I do for multi-rotor and was advised there wasn't a multi-rotor training school approved at that point. And so I applied to have mine approved. We, we applied and asked and had to do all, jump through all the hoops. And in September of 2014, we launched. So that's nearly five years being in, yes. in the industry and, and seeing the changes that have come through. Obviously, yes. some of those changes, some have been good, some have been not so good. Yes. Let's, like- let's talk about some positives first. <laughs> Well, like any like any fledgling industry, and and that's what it is really. If you if you look at the drone industry as the layman would know it, you can't take my thirteen years as as the layman knowing it because when I was playing with them, people would look at me like I had two heads, going, "What is that thing? It looks like a spaceship." And and so people didn't know what they were. But the last five years, that's what the average person knows the drone industry to be. It has come leaps and bounds and we'll talk about the positives if you like look at look at the amazing things that drones do i work a lot with with industry in search and rescue um i train a lot of guys from that part of the world and it's doing amazing things to help search and rescue organizations do their job we've seen it all with shark spotting and and all sorts of stuff i guess the underlying tone is putting a drone somewhere that is unsafe or impractical for a human that's a positive how good is that even things like, how's this for left of centre? Using a drone with a thermal camera to assess a building's ability to maintain its thermal ratings. In other words, looking for leak heats, looking for where the, leak, the heat is leaching out of a building so they can better uh, do things to the building to make it more energy efficient. I mean, how good's that? It's just, you wouldn't be able to do it otherwise. It's great. I mean, there's, there's applications in agriculture as well, isn't there? The agriculture industry 
is probably one of the best benefits from the drone industry. Anything from the obvious crop monitoring and, and whatever else. But there's one, one thing that comes to mind, one, one episode that uh, a colleague of mine helped was a, a farmer, a property owner, had a major leak in the irrigation system and he just couldn't find it, poor bugger. He was digging holes left, right and centre trying to find this leak in his irrigation. And one flight with a drone located the, I think it was either using a multi-spectral camera or possibly a thermal camera, located the source of the leak and they dug a hole and found it. And he'd been trying for months, poor bugger, and one flight with the drone. So not just the, you know, the obvious crop monitoring. We've got a, a guy I trained many years ago uh, up, up north who spreads beneficial bugs. And he won't, he won't um, mind me mentioning, um, his name's Nathan Roy, and he spreads beneficial bugs on crops. So instead of spreading chemical, they actually spread an insect, a live insect delivered <laughs> by drone to eat the bad insects. I mean, <laughs> how good is that? <laughs> yeah, okay. That, that's, yeah. <laughs> There's a mental picture I'm getting in a science fiction sense, and I don't think I want to go there. No, right? It's like something out of a Stephen King novel, but it's true. It's uh, Aerobugs is the name of the company. We might have changed it recently to, to diversify, but it used to be called Aerobugs. Hello, Nathan, if you're listening. So there's great, there's great things that can be achieved with drones in the drone industry. And they're not going away. There's no doubt about that. They are here to stay and they're only going to get better and smarter and more prolific. With all good comes evil. And on the flip side, there are the nasty things that are happening with drones with people doing stupid things with them. And unfortunately, we'll never get away from that. It's, we have to take the good with the bad. It's just the way it is. Now, what's your take on what the public perception is now as opposed to a few years ago it, it to me it's obviously better but I'm, I'm not convinced that the public is still all accepting all embracing uav drone technology yeah look it's gone it's gone in my opinion from what i see it's gone a little the other way so when it first launched and it was first gaining traction and people were wowing if i can use that term wowing at this new drone technology wow look at these new drones aren't they fabulous and i can get a camera up and do what i want to do now that they're they're rolling through mainstream and you can buy them on every shop in every shop on every corner, the public perception that I come across for people not now remember this is from a not associated with the drone industry person, so the layman are starting to get annoyed, they're starting to get annoyed with all the, the the nasty things they see drones doing and someone spying on someone or or a drone flying somewhere it shouldn't or being annoyed by a drone. There's lots of that happening. You know, us in the drone industry see all the good, but the average layman. The, the the term I get is, oh, they're a pain in the, you know what? And that's unfortunate, but, but it's, I don't know how we get around it because they're, they're fun, obviously. The people that want to fly them for fun, they're great fun. They can do great things, but they can also be used to do silly things, I guess, and that's what the Joe public sees a lot of. And look, as you said, you're always going to have a certain amount of that element that, does the wrong thing or does something stupid with a drone, quite often they're doing it just to get their 15 seconds of fame in of the course. limelight. Yep, and, and to think that it's not a problem is naive because the regulator, as we know, Civil Aviation Safety Authority, CASA for short, have spent a fortune on drone monitoring platforms around major airports. They're bending over hand and foot to get a new drone registration system in place. They put... They went out of their way a little while ago to put a pamphlet in every single box sold from a retailer from a drone, uh, for, uh, 
for a drone from a retailer outlining the rules of what you can and can't do with drones. So to think that it's not a problem is naive. It is certainly a problem and it's being addressed. And because we're so young, we, the industry, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to know where we're going and where we'll end up. It's, it's still an unpaved path at this point. Some of the things I've noticed in, say, the last, well, say, I'm going to say 12 months, mm-hmm. is that there's been more bad stories about drones portrayed by the media than they've actually concentrated on the good that UAVs and drones can do. And I'm wondering whether that's feeding not only the public's perception, yes. but it's feeding those that are trying to get their 15 seconds of fame and don't really care about anybody or anything. It's feeding them to keep doing what they're doing. Yes, it's, it's, it's multi-pronged, but you're right. Of course, a, 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 a story of, you know, doom and gloom sells. You know, a story of, oh, a drone did a great thing this week when they helped rescue some kid off a cliff. That doesn't sell a lot of, a, a lot of newspapers or, or run a good story. But, you know, a, a silly idiot, you know, getting a sausage from Bunnings with a drone and, now got, and then got fined and all the rest of it that goes with it. Well, that, that sells. That, that's, that's what media is about, right? And so that's, that's what the public gets to see a lot of. They don't get to see a lot of the good that this industry can bring. I think you're right there. I think you're dead right. So CASA's plans to try and make the industry safer, mm-hmm. more, more accountable, better, yep. and, and, and appease to the public, we acknowledge that it's not an easy task. No, it's not. It's, and I, I certainly wouldn't like to be thrust in to try and sort the mess out. No, and if you look at it at a holistic level, there's there's not been another moment in aviation history, I don't think, that has thrown such a curveball at the regulator. Up until you know, practically five years ago, when I, I think when I got my license, I think there were when I got my operator certificate, I think there were eleven operator certificates in the country, eleven, and I think eight of them were actual operators, and they started one of the associations, if my memory is correct, I could, I could stand corrected on this, but I'm pretty sure the first eight started one of the uh, drone associations we know today, and I think I was 11 or two. There was not many of us anyway. And so it's, 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 yeah, in a short five years, we're only talking five little years, we find ourselves here. And never before, I don't, well, I don't know of any other moment in, in aviation history where such a upheaval would happen in such a short space of time. And so you could imagine it, as we know, the wheels of government turn slow. It's not just civil aviation's wheels. It's, it's, if you want to get something through law and legislation, it takes time. But the likes of DJI weren't waiting for anybody. They were pumping out technology quicker than we could think about it and so i would hate to think what it's been like inside the halls of of government in the last five years where technology is going at such a rapid race and they can't get legislation put through because it takes time and it's got to be written and all that stuff that goes with it it just must be chaotic and and to be fair they finally get it all sorted go yep that's what we're going to run with and they go to put it on the printing press and then somebody somebody comes up with another documentation that says, hang on, that's not going to work now because of all all these changes that have happened with technology. Yeah, look, I, you're right. I had discussions with people um, early on in the piece about 
drones and when, when the sub two kilo as we know it, uh, the sub two kilo that allows commercial operators to fly with a drone less than two kilograms. Uh, I had discussions back then where people were actively saying to me, oh, don't worry because a drone will never be small enough to be under two kilo and be professional enough. <laughs> and I was shaking my head going, hang on a minute, I remember hanging a Uniden phone off my hip that was like a house brick and, and now I've got this little iPhone that I can fit in my top pocket. Yeah. To think that they were never going to get under two kilos and be professional was very naive but you know, that, that was their opinions at the time and, and, you know, they were obviously proved wrong. And, I, you know, we could, be, we could be having similar discussions five years from now where we're saying, you know, we didn't expect this to happen and look what's happening. It's, it's like drone deliveries, for instance. There's another one. Drone deliveries. You've taken away the next subject I was going to throw at you. Well, there you go. <laughs> I've, I've led you down that path already. I, I was one of them. I'll put my hand up and say guilty and go, you know what? I don't see any form of drone delivery taking place in the near to immediate future. There's just too many hurdles to jump. And yet we've got trials happening. And I'm scratching my head going, well, hang on, that happened quick. <laughs> so, you know, it's, I'm, I'm one of those that got caught with my pants down. <laughs> and, and, then, and then we hear in other countries and they're, they're doing it to deliver pharmaceutical products to people who are in yes. places where it, it's – Virtually impossible to get pharmaceutical products and delivered to. What a great, what a great use of drone tech in in countries uh, less fortunate than ours, where the tyranny of um, it's not necessarily the tyranny of distance, but the tyranny of access. Yes, getting getting in and getting out across possibly flooded rivers and whatever else, we can use drone tech. I mean, it's just fantastic. I think it's amazing. There is. There is a freight train that's coming, Shane. If I can throw this in and just go left of centre again for a minute. There's a freight train for the aviation industry coming and I reckon a good majority of, of people out there don't realise this is coming and I I want to get vocal about it because I think it's racing up towards us at a rapid rate and I don't know who's taking notice. If we If we look at the last five years... Five years ago, it was drones carrying cameras. That, that was its entire purpose. I never trained anyone in the first 12 months of my flight school that was doing anything other than putting a camera on a drone. The next few years rolled on, moved towards sensory stuff. We've got LiDAR now. We've got multispectral cameras that look at crop health, um, all sorts of things. One guy's using uh, metal detecting technology to detect minerals in the ground. So all sorts of sensors and, and weird and other wonderful things. What is racing at us as an industry in as a, like a freight train, is personal transport drones. We're talking about delivering pharmaceuticals and pizzas and burritos today, but in a very short space of time, we're going to have human delivery. In other words, Uber's already talking about you know, getting in one, but, but I'm not talking about the Ubers of the world. They've got money and they can develop and they can do great things. But right now, you've only got to Google uh, bathtub drone. If you Google that, you'll find I've a guy. I've seen up- that. Yeah, I don't know where he, what countries he's in, but he's strapped four electric motors at your, maybe if it's eight electric motors, you can buy off eBay with a flight controller and a radio set, sat in a bathtub made of fiberglass and flew himself to the shop. Now, I know people will say, well, hang on, there's regulations in place because that becomes a manned aircraft. Yeah, there might be regulations in place, but up till this point, it's been very difficult and expensive to build your own flying machine. <laughs> Not anymore. Not anymore. Now it's becoming ridiculously cheap 
and easy to build your own flying machine and lipo batteries have opened up the can of worms and Pandora's box and whatever other cliche you'd like to use to be able to build your own flying machine and fly around the joint. <laughs> it's, how do we how do we address that? <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Welcome to the drone industry. <laughs> it's never boring. It's must be what it's got to be the most interesting, fascinating and ever fast changing industry. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. It is it is I don't I can't think of another industry. I, I mean there probably is, you know, the electronics industry booms with phones miniaturizing over years and stuff, but the the thing that we need to think about not only as an industry but as a society in general is these flying machines can pose a greater risk, not just privacy concerns and, oh, this drone is doing silly things over my backyard, but they're, they're entering airspace with other airspace users, i.e. people sitting in things, and that, that's, that's got problems. And again, if we think it's not a problem, why is civil aviation going to all this trouble? Of course it's a problem or they wouldn't be going to all this trouble it has to be addressed yeah that's one of the things that has always got me totally bamboozled it's only word mm. i can think of was okay i've i've not been a aviator for very long and i'm mm. only an aviator as far as a re remote control aviator of small craft yes but, you know, I, I thought I knew a little bit about aviation. My dad was in the Air Force. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, and I, I ha always had a bit of an interest in aviation and planes and helicopters, love flying in helicopters. Yes. But when I went and did my REPL, uh, my, my remote pilot's licence, just mm -hmm. to clarify the, the acronym. Yes. I was blown away with just how much I had to absorb and yep. learn and understand and yeah. i mean you know and you realize that well hang on a minute i'm actually i'm not playing in my backyard i'm playing in the backyard of passenger liner aircraft and and, and small light aircraft mm -hmm. uh, so i'm i'm playing a part in the safety of many people's lives that's true and and it's funny it's funny you say that because i get a lot of flack from people saying that you know because the regulation states you're not allowed above 400 feet, we pose little risk to manned aviation, and I wish that was true. Uh, I am a manned pilot. I fly light sports aircraft, and I wish it was true. The, the problem we have is it's just words on a page, Shane. There's no physical barrier in the sky that when a drone takes off, it bounces off the 400-foot mark and doesn't go any higher. Yeah, that's right. The, the DJI drones, if, if my memory is correct, they, they can go up to 1,500 feet above the ground that they took off at. Now, that's in the serious manned aircraft territory. So we can stand here all we like and say, oh, but there's regulation to prevent that. But the regulation doesn't prevent it at all, not in the slightest. There's, the regulation does not prevent a person putting a drone above 400 feet into manned aviation airspace. Now, there's also lots of times when manned aviation comes under their 500 slash 400 foot mark and enters the world of zero to 400, as we call it crop dusters and helicopters and approach and parches and landing and all that stuff. And you're right. There's a lot to know. And so what I think my personal take is on, on education is, even though the regulation says you're not allowed to go above 400 foot above the ground where, where the drone is, without the proper education, nothing prevents that person from going above that. 
So the education is there to say, this is why you don't, and this is what's going to be around you and above you and in that area where you're going to fly. So this is why you don't. That's got to be the, 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 at the forefront of the drone industry. We need to educate. That's the only thing that separates the drone pilot from the manned aviation pilot is lack of education. The manned aviation pilot's got all the education in the world because he had to go through it to get in the cockpit. But yet we're allowing, when I say we, society right now is allowing people to put other machines, doesn't matter that no one's sitting in it, other machines in airspace where other people who are well-trained are going to be without the same level of training or a similar level of training. And personally, that's just my opinion, I don't think that's right. And, of course, there are those that say, oh, well, they can see the drone and they can just move away. Well, no. I, know, I know you know, but, but <laughs> from my point of view, when I've been using my drone in a commercial sense on a particular job mm. and I had it uh, approximately, I suppose, 500 metres from me mm -hmm. and it was probably only at, oh, I doubt if it was at more than 60 feet in the air. Mm -hmm. It's not all that easy to see it. No, it's not. And, and, and it's I... not, not always easy to know exactly which way it's facing unless you're trained to do to work that out and follow yep. your drone. Yep, and and I think you're right. There's there's two approaches, okay? There's the guy flying the drone, and, and, and that's that's great. He can see what's around him and what he's looking at and all that sort of stuff. But then there's the episode I had where I was near an airport preparing myself to land. I, I won't bore with the technical details. I was on what is called downwind. If people want to Google that, it's, it's one of the legs of a circuit to land at an airfield. And I saw what I thought was a bird and I only had seconds to respond and I, I, I did respond and I missed. But as it went past me, it was unmistakably a phantom. And I'm a thousand feet above the ground below me. That phantom had no right to be there. But I just wondered what made me wonder when I, when I got out of the cockpit and sort of calmed down and had a coffee. <laughs> just a coffee? <laughs> yeah, well, that's all I could have because I had to fly home. Yeah, um, okay. Was that phantom there because the person operating it didn't know better? And that's so, an interesting question. Yeah. Now, that and spurs more than one answer. That's right, and it spurs a couple more questions. If the answer is yes, he didn't know better because he just hasn't got a clue. He bought maybe he was given the drone for Christmas. Maybe it was a teenager. Who knows? Yep. Yep. Then is there a responsibility on us as an industry and as a society to go? Well, hang on. We need to make sure that people know better because the fact of the matter is, I'm in a light sports aircraft with a plastic canopy. If I had to hit that drone that day, I was doing 80 knots. That's, you know, times it by 1.8, that's about, a, you know, getting upwards towards 140-something, 150 kilometres an hour. We're having a different conversation. Do I die? I don't know. But I'm in trouble regardless. Yes, yes. And if he's got the drone there because he doesn't know any better, then the onus is on us to fix that problem. If the drone was there because he's just an idiot and he wanted to put it there and doesn't care about the rules, there's not much we can do about that. You can't alleviate, you can't eliminate that. It's impossible. It's like someone getting a keys to the car and going, well, he was doing 140 up the highway. We're not going to be able to prevent that. Short of it, you're right. becoming a complete nanny state and putting limiters in cars and, and, and altitude limits on every single bit of drone tech that comes into the country, it's, it's not possible. It's, it's just can't do it. 
but it doesn't make it right. But it doesn't make it right. Correct. And the, and the and you know, I my again, this is just my personal opinions and just my way of thinking. At some point in our future, and I God pray it's not me or anyone I know, but at some point in our future, two two of these items are going to come together. Um, we haven't seen it yet. We've seen one drone. We've seen deaths due to drones. It happened. Oh, geez, I think it's about 11 years ago now, and I'm, it's in Europe, I think, somewhere, if my memory is correct. It was a big, big drone that collided with an aircraft and killed people. But it hasn't happened here in Australia, and it hasn't happened since. But the prolification of drones is at a point now where there are lots of them going in the air, and it's only a matter of time. And I, I hope it's a long time away, but it could be tomorrow, it could be next month, it could be next year. I don't know when. Just like birds hit planes, drones are, a drone is going to hit a plane. It's, it's got to happen. To think it'll never, ever happen is naive. And the fact to back that up is if we could honestly hand on our hearts and say, you know what, I don't think it'll ever happen, why is the government going to all these extremes to regulate the industry? Exactly. That answers the question. There's obviously a risk there. If there wasn't a risk, we wouldn't need a department controlling the drone regulation. We wouldn't need it. If there's no risk, then there's no, there's no requirement for it. But there's obviously a risk. That risk is being addressed. And unfortunately, the, the words on the paper don't prevent it from happening. You're right. You can't stop stupidity and you can't stop ignorance. No. You can try and educate. You can try and That's right. do, do everything to mitigate there being any problems, but you, you can't 100% prevent it. No. Other than, no. as you said, being a dictator and saying, right, that's it. No yeah, drones no. or whatever. No. So um, I... The, 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 prob the problem that, that, that really gets up my nose is when you get people that are just so blasé about the fact that oh, mm. don't, you, you're overreacting. Mm. You're overreacting, you know. Yes, yes. Uh, and a wiser man than me said you can't write policy for stupidity. So you'll always have those people. Um, I, I think, again... Again, my just personal opinions are education and enforcement, and and you, and I go to other industries for that. I go right. Where's there been precedence? And if we look at the road rules, the reason that most law-abiding citizens don't do 140 up the Hume Highway is one, they know they've been educated that it's that it's dangerous and it's wrong, and two, if they get caught, they get smashed. You know, they lose a license, they get fined heavily. Sometimes a car gets impounded, all that stuff. And that's the reason government ramped up its non-tolerance to young drivers where now you've got to do 120 hours of learners and p-platers aren't allowed to drink alcohol and there's curfews and there's all this stuff because the risk was great and so they educate and then they and then they enforce we need to see that in the drone industry my opinion i agree and then i think things might might settle it's sort of interesting that if you would talk to anybody who has uh, remote control cars or remote slot car sets. Not showing my age now, aren't I? <laughs> uh, but the thought never crossed those people's mind to go and set their slot car set up on a road or go and take their um, their, June, their remote control June buggy out onto the freeway and race it up and down the freeway. Correct. That's a that, good analogy. Nobody ever, nobody ever really did that because they said, well, no, that's not the environment for that type of true. vehicle. That's true. That's a good analogy. Yeah, that's true. Or even, if for even some 12. reason we seem to think that 
drones don't matter. They can just play in the airspace that yeah. aircraft are in that are actually carrying people and, and, and you're risking people's lives. They can't seem to get that. And I, I, that's one thing I just can't get my head around. Yeah, it's it's one of those – and it's because nothing's happened, I think, Shane, to be honest. Yes. You know, there's never been an incident. And I, I get that a lot. People go, oh, but it's never happened. And, and, and I'm, I'm sure that, that a lot of people think the same way. Well, if it's never happened, it can't be that much of a risk. Well, if it's not that much of a risk, why are governments around the world going crazy trying to regulate drone industry? It's got to be a risk. Or, or they wouldn't be spending millions trying to, trying to regulate. And you know what? On my personal opinion, I'm a firm believer that the first time it does happen, the ones who are going to be screaming the loudest mm will be somebody who used to say, oh, don't worry about drones, they're not going to affect that. But the only reason they're, they're totally against it now is because it was a loved one of theirs or someone yes. they knew, had a close tie with. Yeah, look, it's it's the old saying, and it, it's not just the, the airline industry, it's lots of industries. Regulation is written in blood, and, and generally it takes a serious incident for things to really change, and I don't want that to happen. That's just terrible and unfortunate, but you're right. That's 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 sometimes what it takes. Uh, but again, I just want to also just say that the industry is so young, and and it's it must be tail chasing exercise trying to keep up from a government point of view. I, you know, it, it's it can't be easy, Shane. It can't be easy. Now, I, I, I suppose it, it's frustrating when you when you can at least see and understand that okay, we need to do something here. Mm. the way yourself and the way I and a lot of other people think. Yes, we mm. need to do something here so that we, you know, keep everybody safe. Yeah. But we're asking not only to try and keep up with the fast progression of technology, which, I mean, let's face it, uh, it changes on a daily basis. What, yes. What's current, what's current right now uh, that we're talking tomorrow morning when we get up, it, it'll be old technology yeah that's, yeah, that's right. You're not far off from that. So, yes. so that that in itself is a challenge. It is. Um, but it's it's when people don't understand that they're playing in somewhere that's a bit different to where they are. They're looking at it through their limit of what they and the that's world right. that as they know it, not as the world that it necessarily exists. That's right, and that's and that's that's the thing. You're putting a drone up in the air, and a lot of people are thinking about thirty meters from people, and don't fly over the cars and whatever else. And that's one thing that's great, but there's a whole other environment that lives above your head, that has a whole bunch of rules and regulations and things that happen, and not knowing any of it just puts you behind the eight ball. All right, John. So we've talked about some of the the issues that are facing us with having UAV and drones mm. as part of our part of our life yes and we've talked about it's important to educate yes let's do a bit of educating okay where, where can someone who's just got a drone whether it's been given to them as a gift or they've decided that, or they're deciding to go and buy one but they want to get some information on the right way to go about using their uav or drone yes what, what, what are some of your suggestions well of course i'd be biased and say contact us at fpv australia but um, I, I would agree with that. That's definitely a good step. Um, but but I think there might be a step even slightly before that. 
Yeah, there is. Look, the, the best place people can go, the drone they buy from the shop should have a pamphlet in it from the Civil Aviation Safety Authority, CASA for short, C-A-S-A. But if not, and they want to find out further information, the CASA website, which is simply casa.gov.au, casa.gov.au, jump on there. There's a, there's a menu item there called drones, aptly named drones, because that's what the public know them as. And there's a bunch of information in there that will give uh, the public the idea on what they can and can't do because there are certain things you can and can't do with drones. For example, just I'll just pull one out of the, out of the air. A recreational drone pilot, someone who's not licensed or certified, can't fly a drone at night, not allowed to. The average Joe probably doesn't know that. They just go buy their drone. It's dark outside. They've charged their batteries. Hey, it's got flashy lights on it. Let's go put it up. The law says you can't. That information is on the casa.gov.au website. That's where people should start. If they find that confusing, I'm quite happy for them to email us. They can they can find us on, on our website at fpvaustralia.com.au or send them an email to training at fpvaustralia.com.au. We're always happy to help people understand what their obligations are. So, yeah, happy to do that. But certainly the CASA website's the best place to start. That's the be-all and end-all of the rules. And to me, one of the most important things is, okay, we've, we've realised we can't fly at night. Mm. We're going to fly during the day. Mm. Obviously, we need to look to see whether we're hopefully not going to be flying anywhere near an airport. Yep, yep. That's there's lots of there's lots of tricky spaces you can't fly. In fact, um, little known. I get so many people in my classroom, and I pull out an aviation based map, and I go right. Look at look at these areas. These are uh, the technical term restricted air spaces. In other words, airspace that is controlled by someone and, and has certain conditions put on it and so many people in my classroom go oh my god i've been flying my drone in my backyard and i'm in the middle of a restricted airspace controlled by the military even there are lots of places sydney harbour is a classic example it's a beautiful spot but you're not allowed to put a drone up there and and a lot of people in my classroom ask the question why what what, what makes sydney harbour so special well it's for one, it's high traffic. There's lots of stuff happening in that little space called Sydney Harbour, everything from police choppers to television choppers to transporting sick people in choppers to the hospitals. There's lots of stuff happening. Let alone uh, aircraft heading for the airport to land and bring people that's... from one, one state to another. Yeah, yeah. Sydney Harbour's a really busy area. So there's lots of these red zones on a map that are restricted airspaces. And then... Furthermore, there's danger areas. Lots of training schools have these danger areas. I mean, manned aircraft training schools where you've got student pilots flying around doing simulated engine failures and all sorts of stuff. So it's not just look up at the sky and it's blue, let's fly. So the CASA, the CASA website has all of the standard operating conditions that, you know, don't fly at night and, and, and don't fly near people and all that sort of stuff. And it says don't fly in restricted airspace, but it's finding that information. So CASA have released... A couple of apps. One is coming to the end of life. It used to be called Can I Fly There? That's that's coming to the end of its life, and it's being replaced by a new one called Open Sky. Um, I think it's Open Sky, if my memory's correct. It is correct. It you is, are yeah, correct. It is Open Sky. Brand new. It's, it's, just hit the, it's just hit the airwaves. And so for people who've never flown a drone before, these apps go a long way to showing you where an airport is, where restricted airspace is, and it tells you information about what you're likely to see and – what the rules are pertaining to that spot. And that's a good thing. That's that's education at its core. If you get someone who's gone to JB Hi-Fi, bought a drone, and they load this app up and they go outside their backyard and go, uh-oh, I'm actually not allowed to fly here. So 
taking it a step further, mm-hmm. and this this is where I um, I admit I have have an issue. I'm only flying a drone that's technically under two kilo. Yes. Okay, flying a Phantom Four. Yep. So technically, I didn't have to bother going and getting a my remote pilot's license. Yes. Uh, and I was going to use my drone. Yep. But I sort of thought, well, maybe down the track I might want to get a bigger drone, and I'll do it now whilst I'm in a position where I can. So, so I did. Yes. And oh boy, am I glad that I did because yes. not only did I go and and do a course and get my remote pilot's license, mm-hmm. I got my air radio operator's certificate, mm-hmm. uh, and um, I got my company certified as as a real holder, so I could fly commercially and fly up to drones up to seven kilos. Yes. Now, but the information that I picked up through the course. Mm-hmm. If I hadn't have done the course, I would not have known anywhere near the amount yep. of information that I know now, and it's information that I needed to know even to fly sub two kilo. Yeah, agreed. There's a there's a bit of a saying in education circles, and I'm, you know, I've done education qualifications. I hold diplomas in training education design, and the old saying is the student doesn't know what they don't know. Yes, and and that's that's ignorance slash naivety in it at its core and it's not because you're a stupid person or you're dumb it's just you don't know and anyone who's never played in the aviation realm buys a drone from from a retailer how would they know what you learned on that course it's impossible and the retailers don't know no well well, a very large percentage of them don't know that's right fair there there are some drone retailers out there that that yes true uh, are on the ball, do educate people buying drones and do steer them towards doing courses, yes, granted, yeah. but they're unfortunately, they're in the minority. That's true. That's true. And the, the REP or course that you, you did and the, the course that we run, it's a lot of people think it's about flying the drone. It's not really about flying the drone at all. It's about operating the drone. And, and I use that term because it's a different term. Flying the drone and operating the drone are two different things. Operating the drone is knowing the rules and regulations and all that's all great, but then knowing the airspace and, and all the risk factors and all that stuff around the outside to, that you just don't know unless you play with it in that space. You just you don't know what you don't know. And I get lots of people on my course, at the end of the first day, they, they're just eyes are like saucepans and they say, I just this is all stuff I never knew existed. How would they? How would they? And to think that we're allowing... Again, it's just my opinion. I cop some flack for it, but I'm happy to take it. To think that we're allowing operators to operate drones, even if they are less than two kilograms, without any of that education is, I scratch my head. And I'm not trying to disrespect anyone who operates drones in the sub two kilo who hasn't gone and got their REPL. They're probably very safe operators out there doing the right things, but they still have a lot of knowledge deficiency there. Whether they want to admit it or not, there's still a lot they should know, should being the key word. And it can be not just being able to read an air chart, it's it's the weather. Yeah. How, how weather can affect I mean, I mean, I've seen on some Facebook posts, oh, I was out flying my drone 
and it got windy, but I kept battling on and I used up the yep. batteries a lot quicker, but I flew into that wind and I'm thinking, yeah, yep. doesn't that tell you something? That's true. And, and that's the other thing too with the course, you know. It's not just regulations and rules and, oh, don't do this and don't do that. It's also passing on knowledge from industry experts. You know, myself and my instructors who've been in the industry a long time who know all the little trips and traps and to, that catch the, uh, the inexperienced out. It's a lot of that as well, like you've just said. You know, you send your drone out, the wind picks up, and on the way back from spotting the whale over there, it can't fight the wind and all of a sudden runs out of battery and lands in the ocean. You know, sitting on a drone course might have made you a bit more aware of that and might have, might have saved you that drone. So there's it's not just rules and regulations. There's lots more to it. There's lots more to it. Also, not only finding out the information, but finding out the correct information. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's... um. The aviation industry is very complex and very multi-layered, and so just spending a week in a classroom with a drone instructor can really open some doors. I, I won't say that it'll, you know you're going to become an expert in a week because you can't, but it certainly gives you all of the avenues and all of the little corners of the industry to find information and understand it, and just just comprehension. That's a really good word, actually. Have a good comprehension of the of the space you are playing in. That's that's probably the best way I can put it. So it's building a foundation. Um, you know, as I say, the course is five days. There are courses you can do online that are shorter. We struggle to fit everything into our five-day course. We, we have a lot of impact, and we go beyond what is basically required. We add, we add more because we, we think it's responsible to do that. Um, but it's a framework. It's a foundation of an understanding of how this industry works and what your responsibilities are and, like you've said, where to find the information that could be very critical to what you're about to do. Well, John, we've chatted on here for a while. I think yeah. I've enjoyed the chat. Thank you, mate. Me too. And um, I'm, I'm hoping I'll get you back on for another chat at some stage in the future. Yeah. I, I, I dare say there's, there'll be things happening over the next few months that will create new subjects for us to talk about. Yeah, there is. Just I, I would just like to, as a final, just so yeah. that people know what's coming. Um, there is a drone registration system that's been proposed that is coming. Um, where people will have to register every drone they own. I, I, I think it's commercial. Op I, the details are a bit thin still. I don't even have all the details, but I think all commercial operators have got to register every drone and then recreation just register themselves or something along the way. Anyway, there's a registration system coming. There's a manual of standards that was released, some of which is in place now and some of which has got time cutoff points uh, associated now. People are wondering what a manual of standards is. It's another document that sits alongside the regulations to give more detail. This manual of standards that was released concentrates heavily on the training side of things. So the training requirements have been stepped up. So if people think that, you know, this training stuff is not a big deal, well, there's been more data put into and more requirements put into the training side of things. So that's been released and so people want to find that again on the CASA website. If they Google manual of standards for remotely piloted aircraft, they can. And, uh, and yeah, we are going to see some changes coming, and not just from a regulatory point of view, just from a technological point of view. It's, it's hard to map where we're going to be it's because it's such a fast-paced industry. It's crazy. All right, John. Well, until next time. Yes. As I say... I'm flying safe for all. Yes. And you say? If you're flying a drone today, tomorrow, next week, or next month, please do so safely and responsibly because we do need safe skies for all. Well, that's all for this episode. 
remember to subscribe to the Drone Chat podcast. Join our Facebook group, Safe Droning Australia, and visit the website, safedroningaustralia.com.au. Thanks for listening. Until next time, happy and safe flying, everyone.